Paranormal Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we're here with a special guest, Dean Knight. Dean Knight has a radio show on Station One with BBS, the Kentucky Ghost Hunters. He's also a paranormal investigator himself. Welcome, Dean. Welcome to everybody. Thanks for having me on your show. It's my pleasure. I don't get a chance to talk to a lot of the other hosts, so I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) So tell me a little bit about uh, what got you into the paranormal. Well, it was actually an accident. I, I always get to tell the story whenever I do an interview, but uh, it ha- I guess let's just head back. I'll, I'll make a quick scenario here and tell you all the good stuff. But when I was younger, I had an uncle that passed away, and we were visiting the home, and basically it was an upstairs apartment, a downstairs apartment. They converted the upstairs to an apartment, but it used to be where my uncle grew up at. And the night of his funeral, we could hear footsteps going up and down the hallway, in the upstairs and every time we'd got up there wouldn't be anybody there fast forward to about 1999 uh, ghost hunting was just starting to come out of the freaky zone i guess you would say and uh, people were actually getting interested in it and i took a few pictures with a little camera and came up with some orbs and somebody said hey uh, you're a good kentucky ghost hunter well guess what that's stuck so that's why I, that's when i became the kentucky ghost hunter. i've been doing it ever since <laughs> You know, that's uh, actually different than most people. I, I mean, it's it's unique in a lot of different ways. I, I had a prolonged story, and I'll get into it with you eventually about how I got into it, but uh, it's been a heck of a trip. <laughs> well, it's been for me, too, and I ended up being more on the entertainment side of it as far as uh, I've, I've had the Kentucky Ghost Hunter website, which is not the – that's just Kentucky Ghost Hunter, but I've had it for quite a while, and I've I've actually been on the Next Truth magazine. I've – been invited to a lot of ghost hunts and everybody you know i'm i'm basically a loner but i do stuff with stone creek preternatural i think you've had kevin quatman didn't you, you had him on your show before uh i believe i have and i've worked with him several times in fact yeah I, uh, yeah, yeah he's 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 a unique individual <laughs> yeah yep him and denise wilkin are one of my two best friends in the whole world and it's funny how we met because I actually had been invited to go to Bobby Mackey's down there. I don't remember what city it's in, but it's near Cincinnati. And uh, I was looking for my – I used to be on the uh, the regular radio and ended up going to BBS because it's a lot easier for me to get uh, – well, BBS is just a lot easier. if you. I don't have to go into the studio and all that good stuff. At the time I was going into studios – I had contacted Kevin because somehow, someway, I found out that uh, and he, he's not this, but for some reason on the internet, he was listed as a demonologist. And I was doing a show in a couple weeks on demonology, and if it was true or not, and I happened to find Kevin's name, and when I called him, he's like, hey, you're crazy. I'm not a demonologist. But <laughs> we, ended up, we ended up meeting at Bobby Mackey's for the first time. We, we met at, uh, there was a pizza place down there somewhere, and we had pizza, and I said, hey, come on to Bobby Mackey's, and we've been, we've been doing ghost hunts ever since. Uh, we just got done going to Iowa, and we actually did a ghost hunt at the bridges of Madison County. Oh, and uh, yeah, well, it was more fun. And we didn't really catch anything, but uh, Kevin had a little. Uh, we had some lights there, so Kevin was doing a little puppet show with shadows with his hands. We caught a lot of, 
we had some uh, what do they call it? shadow figures that we found. Well, we didn't catch any ghosts, but yeah, Kevin's a great guy, and so is Denise. And if Andy's listening, Andy Puck, I don't know if you if you met Andy. I haven't met him personally. I've talked to okay. him many times on Facebook yeah. and had yeah. conversations and, back and forth. <laughs> yeah, Andy's a great kid, and Andy, if you're listening, hey, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of funny. I, I ended up doing kind of the same route. I started originally in research. I didn't spend any time in the public. Um, I was spending a lot of time with universities, talking to scientists, uh, just kind of really digging in deep, and then uh, – when I started to tell my own story, I ended up going into the public end. So I ended up on radio and working with a lot of different investigators, being out on sites with some fairly famous people from time to time and, and figuring out a few things. But uh, it, it's kind of unique, that changeover. I, I, it, 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 isn't it weird, though, how you, you don't really want to – it was – I don't know if you're like me, but the entertainment part of it just kind of you know just started happening without me even realizing it. I, I got asked to do one little show. And it just, for years, it's just blown up. And like you say, you can get to meet a lot of interesting people in this field of work. You do. A lot of, uh, you find out that a lot of the, the paranormal has a misconception. Listeners, if, you, if you're listening, and I know Kevin and even Dean, everybody will agree with this. When, when you're on Facebook and social media, there's kind of two levels. There's the people you really enjoy being around, and then there's all the other, excuse my term when I say this, and I'm going to say it politely, but all the other bull crap. <laughs> Well, no, you're you're telling the truth there because I don't know, you know, you've been in it a while and I have too, and we I've interviewed some people and you have too that, uh, you know, on paper they look good, then when they start talking, you're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of people out there right now, and it's one of the things we talk about on the show all the time with my guests is, you know, if you're in the paranormal, you're just starting out, you don't want to do it just by yourself and and without some type of training, because a lot of people are getting their training now by reality TV, uh-huh. and you know that they do that for ratings. You know, in, in this business, ratings are everything. If you don't have the ratings, you don't have a show. Yep. So they do some things, and I know they do some things because I've I've went behind them at some shows. Uh, at, well, not shows, but some locations that they've went to, and I've heard the stories. And there's a lot of things that people don't realize that go on for reality TV. That is, um, how do you say? Uh, it, I, I guess it's 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 brought out a little bit differently than what actually occurred. I don't want to say anything like you more bad TV, about anything. More TV yeah. than reality. <laughs> more TV than re- a lot more TV than reality. And uh, I mean, I went to, uh, and I'll just say, Thornhaven was one of the places a a reality TV show went to, and they they just flat out told us, you know, hey, some of that stuff that happened that they showed on TV, I don't even know where they got the footage at. So yeah, you know, it, it's all ratings, and I think people need to stop and kind of smell the roses about real paranormal investigation and stop listening to reality TV when it comes to getting their training. Oh, absolutely. The the one thing that, and I know I've annoyed a lot of people throughout the years by doing this, but and I state this very regularly, it took me 10 years just to get an idea of what the paranormal was. took me another five years after that to realize I was doing it wrong. And now I'm in it for almost 23 years, and the rest of that is learning from other people. And I enjoy doing that. I, I, I've learned a lot of things. I know how to apply things properly. But it took me at least 10 to 11 years to really realize what it was all about. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. And there's a lot of people that get into it in a few months think they're experts and they're, you know, they're out there screaming at spirits and telling demons to possess their bodies and everything else because that's what they see on TV. It just doesn't work that way, folks. It's a little bit, you know, if people really would get into the paranormal world and go on real investigations, and not listen to the, uh, and I, I believe you're going to back me up on this, but not listen to what happens on reality TV. 
80% of what happens at paranormal investigations is really freaking boring. <laughs> I mean, you may catch something, you may not, but you have to be very patient, and you just don't catch shadow figures. You just don't catch you know images, and people don't get possessed and scratched all the time like you see on reality TV. It happens, but it's not, you know, it's not a daily occurrence when you go on an investigation. And a lot of people need to realize that and stop listening to reality TV. There, I, I've got on my soapbox. I'm done. <laughs> well, I, I perfectly agree with that. I, I, I have gotten a lot of young teams mad, but the reality is your first three to five years, you really don't know what you're doing yet. Yeah, you don't know anything, really. You don't. You're learning, and that's great. But most of the people that go into this, they don't know the applied sciences. They haven't done the research. They really haven't dug their, their heads in. Most of them are past the generation of parapsychology because parapsychology was pretty much removed in 1983. <laughs> um, so they have no idea what they're doing at all out there in the field. Uh, and it takes a while to learn. Now, I'm not saying that's bad for any listener out there. I'm not saying that's bad at all. You've got to learn. We all had to learn on our own. Most of us didn't have guides to do so. Even myself, my guides to do so pretty much just kind of uh, put me in the background. I mean, they, they were way over my head. Some of the people I started with were in college universities, and they were professors. So when they were talking stuff, I'm going, okay, I don't understand words you're saying. Okay, take a tablet and take notes. Go ask some questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you know what? It, and people may not – when we first started and, – and I don't know. It's, you've been doing it a little bit longer than me, but I know when I first started, I would take pictures, and I would say, oh, look at this great orb. And uh, then I'd show it to somebody, and they go, hey, that's a raindrop. So I, you're, you're right, man. I mean if you don't know what you're doing, you do need to have some kind of uh, uh, training. I wouldn't pay for the training because I know there's some places out there that are, are charging to train their people, which is crazy. But uh, you do have to have some kind of training to tell a difference in in what you're you're investigating and what you're finding and what you're really not finding. That makes sense. Oh, absolutely, it makes perfect sense to me. Of course, I've been in it for so many years; it makes sense to me. For the for the new listeners, basically, you know, you just have to take the time, and it will make sense. Everything he said will make sense as you go out there. I even I took a stint where I didn't go out on investigations at all. And then when I decided I was going to tell people stories, I started back in radio, did that very well, went from a radio station to one digital station that failed miserably. So I came over here to Donald, and I've been with him ever since. Um, but uh, I went back out and followed a lot of the investigators. And even after not being in the field investigating myself for many, many years, I learned there was always something that um, – you either forgot or you just simply didn't learn that's going to surprise you. <laughs> yeah, or you, you do something that's very, um, I, I guess, elementary to what it, when we used to do it and we forgot about it. You do something crazy and end up, you know, like breaking something. I've done that. It's crazy. You've got to be careful. Like one of, one of the things everybody tells you to do, and, and a lot of people don't do it if you go investigate a cemetery, number one, get permission, folks. Do not go out there without permission. That's a good way to go to jail that night. Uh, but number two, you want to go out beforehand and see where the tombstones are. Well, crazy me didn't do that one time, and you know what happened. I tripped on a tombstone. So, yeah, there's ba <laughs> there's basics that you have to do that a lot of people, you know, even before you go to an investigation that a lot of people uh, do not do. And that's something that, you know, it, it's like you said, it comes with experience. You need to be taught those things. It's elementary, but uh, even in elementary, you have to be taught it before you can do it. Yeah, and the other thing that I learned going back in that I I totally forgot about for years, and then I went back into it was uh, you you gotta 
not let yourself get the best of you, as silly as that seems. Uh, the first investigation I went on after about a five, six-year sabbatical of just doing research and pulling up things, I got deeply into um, – researching demonology, demons, religions, and so forth. So I was providing a lot of information to a lot of different people based off of what I could get from the Catholic churches and so forth that most people didn't have their hands on. When I went back into investigation, I scared the piss out of myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you will. You, I, I did the same thing. I, I actually, and it, was, I'll, it was Thornhaven again, but, uh, and actually at Thornhaven, Denise uh, actually had a child's handprint put on her back and, uh, I think I've got a picture of that on our, my website, but uh, back to what we were talking about, uh, I, I would start to go upstairs by myself, and I used to do it all the time. It's like no big deal, and I started doing it, and I froze. I'm like, what's wrong with me? And I was scared to death. <laughs> I mean, it was it's been a while since I've been out there, and I was like, why am I scared? You? And when you're in that situation, you'll agree with this. You just got to come up, and you got to say, hey, look, if I'm going to do this, I got to quit being a scaredy cat. And I went upstairs, but you're right. When you're out of it a while, and you come back, some it gets to you, man. It does sometimes. It does get to you. Um, well, even when you're in it for many, many years, it gets to you for a little while. But I, I um, learned recently out on a site that um, <clears throat> the things that get to me now is the excitement of those things that shouldn't be there. When you get somebody carrying on a conversation with you in a room where you're sitting here with one or two people that shouldn't be there and you've got all the proof on every camera or whatever's going on, you're going – you know, that was really cool. I'm not scared, but that was just really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. When you catch something, it's, just, it's nothing like anything else you've ever experienced when you actually catch something. Because like I said, and I think you'll agree that when you do go out on investigations, it's not like reality TV. It doesn't come every other, you know, every other minute you have somebody talking to you or something. It's a patience thing. And when you catch something, it's like catching that big fish. It's awesome. Yeah. And most of the time, reality TV concentrates on key elements so they don't concentrate on the whole story the whole history the whole backgrounds the whole individuals they just want that one thing that's going to catch the attention of the viewers um so they concentrate on that and then they have all kinds of action revolving around that whereas in reality when when we're out there it may not have any what what happens may not have anything to do with that experience that sounds like it's the creepiest or the worst out there right um it, it might just randomly show up in ten buck two somewhere. <laughs> yep. You're right. You're right. It's a it's a different ball game, and you just got to be patient with it. You really do. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, equipment from one investigator to another. I'm. Oh boy. Pretty, yeah, I, I'm pretty. <laughs> I, I'm pretty. Um, I guess because I've spent so much time in the scientific end of this, and I know a lot of investigators out there don't believe in the scientific end and they don't believe that science and the paranormal can can correspond together but reality is up until the fall of parapsychology in the united states it was falling together all the time um so i'm pretty particular on the electronics that i use <laughs> well i think you have to be because there's been a and i think this is one of, and we've talked about this on my show too but there's Wow, how do you say this without hurting people's feelings? There's a lot of times the equipment that you use, you think you're doing something really good and you're not doing diddly squat. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, science science is very, um, how do you say this, particular about what they will take as scientific evidence and uh -huh. what they can debunk without even thinking about it. And a lot of times I'll have somebody send in something from me from the spirit box or even the, the little XLX cam that they use on ghost adventures all the time. <laughs> and you, you, 
you you can show that to somebody that's got a PhD or something. They can knock it down in two seconds. It it does not hold any value whatsoever as far as evidence is concerned when it comes to science. And uh, there's a couple people that and I, I hope you know when I get this straight, and I'm going to invite you to go with me. Uh, but there's a couple people that are complete non-believers that have PhDs that have offered to bring some pretty high class equipment that they said they can prove one way or the other if there's a spirit there or not. And uh, I guess what I'm saying is a lot of times when people go out and use this equipment and they say, I've captured something. Well, to you, you may have captured something, but to science, you didn't capture anything. Oh, absolutely. The XLS camera is a prime example of that. If you actually get into the breakdowns and in the scientific way it's constructed for gaming purposes and and so forth, you realize that uh, what everybody's mapping and – I know, listeners, some of you are going to disagree with this. A few of you are probably going to send me a couple of emails that are pretty nasty. (laughs) I've spent a lot of time behind the scenes as an electronics technician. I know how these cameras operate. I have a company that sells these cameras. I'm very honest when somebody asks me how they operate. Um, The reality is an XLS camera is going to map anything in that room. And I actually have physical evidence to prove that what most people are getting that I'm going to put together in a piece so that everybody understands here, and uh, it's coming out in about another year now. I've got to tweak it out, but it's going to show you all of this stuff to show you what does work, what doesn't work, and how to collect proper data. Um, that most of what you're mapping is not what you think you're getting. <laughs> it's really not. You're, you're right, and you know I've taken them out in the field before, and and uh, we've mapped uh, a wall where it showed a stick figure, and then when you actually look at it, it's mapping the actual electrical current that's in the wall. It's not mapping anything at all. Mm-hmm. And we've taken it out to cement, and it really doesn't work outside. If you use it outside, it's anything you pick up is probably, a, you know, like if you take it to the cemetery, the only time we ever mapped anything was when a, you know, they say, hey, look, that the figure standing in front of the, uh, the tombstone. I'm like, no, it's not. It's mapping the tombstone. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's just not... And and I hate to say that because I, I I believe that some of the equipment that we have may capture something, but and I hate the spirit box to death. I really do, and I'm sure you know people are going to send you emails about me now. But I see these people making these big spirit boxes and these geo boxes and all this, and they're saying, "Hey, look, we're capturing spirits and all that." But you being, I, I can see that you've you've been part of the electronics part of it, and. Science can, you know, they can tear it's when you're anything you're if you're using one of those things and you can hear it, a radio station or any I, other person talking, you're, you've completely debunked anything you can do. Anything I, you do from that point is not worth a crap. Tear those apart all the time. In fact, I have a seminar. I just stopped doing them last year, but I used to do them for the students at Ohio State University, Michigan State University and a little bit in Wisconsin every year. I would come in at, with one of the college professors because people are curious about ghosts, and now kids will a- ask when they're in science classes and when they're in audio engineering. They ask all the time about spear boxes and so forth. And in my class, I I would have a – or in my presentation, and I've done this many, many times, I will have a TV, and I'll have an old-fashioned radio that just has a nice tune fork back and forth. And I will prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you're not communicating with a ghost. <laughs> I 100% back you on that. I just, you know, now how, how, and there is a way that, that uh, you may be able to tell if you're talking to a ghost or not. And Kevin, actually, it was Denise, I think, from Stone Creek Preternatural that came up with this philosophy or this technique, and I loved it. But if you have any ghost hunters out there that are actually listening to it or investigators, what you probably should do with the spirit box, if it has any validity to it at all, is to put a headset on it and 
the person that's listening to the spirit box should be the only person to be able to hear it. And then other people can ask questions. And then if the person with the headset on can hear a response through the spirit box, they can just blurt it out. Now, we've used it that way sometimes. Well, and it does come up with some unique responses. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I'm just saying it's, it's easy to debunk. But if you're doing it that way where a group of people aren't listening, cause, and I think you'll back me up on this. We did a segment one time where we played uh, a, uh, um, EVPs that people had captured on investigations, and I put it on the show, and I played it, and I had a panel of five people. Well, all five people heard something different, and that's a, it's something – you know, when you get a group of people in there listening to a spirit box or something like that, they're all going to hear something different. But if you've got one person listening to it, and you say, what's your name? And that person that's listening to it says, Jim. And all they can hear is what's going on in the spirit box, not the question that's being answered. It just gives a little bit more validity to the spirit box and just a whole group of people hearing what they want to hear. I worked with an audio scientist for years that said if you want real validity, just like EVP when you put yourself in a Faraday cage, there's a good way of actually doing that. What most people don't understand about the early audio science that got lost when all the TV shows came out is – Originally, we were not looking for the highs, the eyes, the bobs, the gems, the Chris's, and the radio signals, but you were still cycling through them. So what were you looking for? Well, similar to old televisions with what was believed in white noise being the background of that noise, something was coming through, not the noise itself. You're also looking for that in the radio frequencies. So if you're listening to something while we're talking and we're communicating, for instance, if I say – I hear that Dean died here. Dean, are you here with me? Well, you're going to get yes. You're going to get no. You're going to get died. You're going to get responses all over the board. But what happens when you pre-record all of this? Connect it to another recorder so you can decipher each individual one and pull it apart, and you get that one area where it's a full sentence that says, hello, hello, did I just hear you say my name? Oh, that's cool. You know, And you continue to go further than that and carry on a conversation, and the conversation comes back. Now, most people don't think that far, but just so that you know, listeners, in audio science, you can actually do that. It just takes a little bit more work to do so. So I would encourage people to hook up recording devices to the spirit box. Record it so that you can take that recording and digitally break it down in each individual frequency until you find that one frequency you can't explain. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And there's something else that for those first timers out there. We we learned a valuable lesson on this a few times during our investigations. But you should always have a recorder going, no matter what, too. Even oh, if you're just any time, it should always it should be running from the time you get there to the time you end because you'll miss a lot of stuff. And it sometimes uh, uh, we've had situations occur where we actually said, "Oh wow, that's great! Did you hear that? Oh yeah, we finally got it. Who, did you have your recorder on? No." So, you know, you could say you did it, but if you can't prove it, it does you no good. But you should always have your recorder on, no matter what. Always have a recorder on. All of your equipment, if possible. Every time I hit a location, I have a friend of mine, Daryl, at Post Town, and he laughs at me because he calls me the camera guy. From the moment I walk out of the car, I have a camera and a recorder starting. I start before I even get into the building. It's running the whole time. <laughs> um, but that, it's for that reason. You never know what you're going to miss. No, and you'll miss a lot of stuff too. I'm, I'm, I've done it. I'm doing. I'm telling you, if your folks out there, if you're new to this, I've, I've done it, and I've been doing it for a while. Kevin will tell you the same thing. You'll tell them when you, when you turn off your cameras or you turn off your recorder, is the minute. I think ghosts do that on purpose, and spirits do it on purpose just to tick you off, because <laughs> as soon as you turn it off, that's when they appear. So it's very important. Never turn those things off. You can help it. 
what it's always at the most unlikely time when you're trying to set up equipment in another room when you're trying yeah. to do something then all of a sudden before you even hit that record button if you don't already have something recording it's bam right there it is <laughs> yep yep and it always in the least opportune opp- moment when it happens every time <laughs> yep yeah we had a prime example of that at octagon hall we were pitching this this sounds terrible when you're saying it, but we were pitching tents. <laughs> because uh, we is this is this the back. Octagon Hall in Franklin, Kentucky? Yep. Okay, yep. okay. I know there's a couple of them. I just didn't know which one you were talking about. Yeah, and um, Joel, my one of my partners at the time, um, he's still a partner in a lot of things, but um, he was going up to the front door and he forgot to get the camera rolling. Now I I had my camera rolling when he came back to tell me everything, and he was like, "Well, there's definitely activity." I came walking right up to the front door and knocked on it, and somebody said, "Come in," and there's nobody in the building. <laughs> well, we were yeah, we were we were at Octagon Hall with Kevin and a couple other people, and uh, we actually went upstairs. And I, if you've never been there, I think you'll know what I'm talking about. When you go upstairs in the child rooms on the left hand side there. Uh-huh. Uh, we went up there and went inside there, and we heard some footsteps coming up the stairs, and we thought it was one of our investigators, and it ended up being that it wasn't anybody. So, And we've captured a woman singing there. Um, I mean, that's a really good place. If anybody wants to go to a haunted house, you need to go there. Wait until you see the video that I'm going to release. We were setting up equipment because there was a claim that in the child's room the chair was rocking on its own. So I'm like, yeah. okay, I want to set a camera on that for the rest of the night. Let's just see if the if the other team that's in there is just kind of you know doing what most teams do and going oh my god and seeing things that aren't there. So we're getting ready to set the cameras up and we're heading upstairs and we get a full conversation from everybody upstairs. <laughs> wow. Uh, yep. They literally address the fact that we're coming up the steps. They answer me. At one point they say hello back to me, and we actually get the little girl in the room to speak to me later on that night while the cameras are running. So I got an incredible experience from upstairs. Nowhere else in the home, but I got an incredible experience from upstairs. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had some from down. See, and if you've never been there, folks, downstairs is where the uh, slaves used to cook. And there was a little girl, and I, I don't remember her name, but she was the uh, little girl that used to live there, and she actually would caught on fire down there, and she passed away. I think that's the girl you're talking, little girl you're talking about, isn't it? Mm-hmm, I do believe. Yeah. Well, anyway, we uh, we've caught several EVPs down there, and we've had a. Actually, it's weird because uh, there was a Alice Deal, who is a psychic, uh, went there one time and said that the, uh, the, the, I can't even think of his name, but the guy that used to run the place back in the old days in the 1700s, early 1800s, um, I guess it was during Civil War time, that's way too past, in the Civil War era, but that, that spirit hates me to death, and she told me he was cussing me out and everything, so when I, I have unique experiences there when I go in there because the, the guy hates me. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen – Octagon was one of my more active uh, places. In fact, it is the only place in the past six years I've got a Class A EVP from um, because they're so rare. Most of my EVPs I pick up, I just throw them right out the, the door. It's okay. I yeah. can explain that. I can explain this. But those – everything was running, and we weren't expecting it. Of course, we were setting up equipment to go upstairs so that we could film all of this for the documentary. And to disprove for the data, I wanted to disprove. I was really concentrating on disproving that chair moving. <laughs> right, right. Um, and uh, and got it all on camera, every EVP camera, the whole nine yards, and it just fascinated me. I'm like, well, I can't explain that. Nobody else was in the home but me and Joel. <laughs> yeah, we're actually on our show Tuesday. We're doing a special on Octagon Hall this week, so it's kind of a new, you know kind of unique. You mentioned it in this in this episode. <laughs> hey, did you meet Bear while you were there? 
Yes. Yes, I he's, did. He's a really good guy. I, I don't remember the group. He, he's actually, a, for folks that don't know, he's a uh, paranormal investigator himself, but he's also the cur- one of the curators there. He's not the owner, but the curator. Boy, he's got some stories to tell about that place. Did, yeah. did he give you the whole gist on it? Um, well, he was. I was more into let's get this done. He was talking our leg off, so I had to kind of cut him short and let him keep yeah. talking. Now, Bear will there. talk. Bear <laughs> will talk. <laughs> But he's uh, he's he's got uh, stories of uh, you know chairs being moved besides that stuff being thrown and people being scratched and whole works and they've got a whole line of and I you probably saw the pictures on the wall there there's been a lot of people investigate there I think even the uh, uh, haunted collector was there at one time and did a special there and uh, yeah it's a, if you ever come to Kentucky folks you want to go somewhere that's the place to go if you want to catch st- some good stuff. Oh, absolutely. I've been to pretty much every major place, including Bob Mackey's, which, you know, the owner was great and the building was wonderful. I didn't get a lot of activity while I was there, but it, yeah, uh, we it's... didn't either. Yeah, I actually, you know, the and I don't know, I think Ghost Adventures was there one time, but they were calling the pit from hell, which was the well and uh, that's in the bottom of the, the place. And it was funny because me and Kevin were so bored when we were there. We actually got in the well and everybody took pictures of us. We weren't supposed to do it, so I shouldn't <laughs> say that online. But we got inside of it and, you know, we didn't capture. Kevin's captured a few. Uh, I guess he's got a good picture of an orb. And last time he went there, he got an apparition. You ought to ask him about that. But he did get a pretty good little apparition there of the gentleman that uh, uh, was possessed and actually did a uh, they did a. Uh, Oh, what was exorcism there on him? And I don't know if it's on YouTube somewhere. If everybody puts in Bobby Mack, the exorcism, you can see it happening on YouTube. But he got an apparition of that gentleman. So he's had some action there. But when I was there, it's not really, it's like you said, it hasn't been really that uh, fulfilling as far as evidence is concerned. No, great place. Wonderful history. Loved going there. Absolutely enjoyed it. But uh, that seems to be the place with a lot of locations. I've been to Waverly many, many times. Again, not really much action at Waverly. I love the place. I absolutely love it. I'll go there every time. But um, as far as really getting anything solid, not really. Ohio State Reformatory, I go there every year. I think I've gotten maybe one piece, and that was this year that was interesting. Um but uh, I mean that that's pretty regular with most of these places. I don't know if it uh, if it just they get so tired of it they die down and they don't want to respond or or I don't I'm not sure to be honest with you. <laughs> well, I mean if you think of it from a logical standpoint, if they're if they're you know intelligent beings, what is it like every other night they have a paranormal group in these places investigating yeah. with tours and everything else. So if I was a ghost, I sure wouldn't participate after a couple of years. I'd get tired of it. I'd get real tired. I think I'd move even. I'd move somewhere else. Every now and then I might poke my nose in when somebody's irritating me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or just play jokes on them. I'd do that just to kind yeah. of, you know, take them off, like turn their equipment off and on and stuff like that. But I would never speak, I think. I'd just let them, you know, think there was nothing there. With the smaller places sometimes, Octagon and a few other places are just now getting known. I've had some incredible experiences in small out of the box places you wouldn't expect <laughs> yeah and you know it, i think that a lot of people out there if they're if you're, you're becoming a ghost investigator or spirit investigator or paranormal whatever you want to call it i think that you know the the good thing is to start especially want to capture some good evidence to start going to places that don't have you know a, a paranormal group there every other day um you know Stone Creek, and I keep mentioning them because they they do a lot of stuff out there. But the, they actually have a town in Ohio that they go to that the whole town is supporting them. I'm not going to name the town or anything like that because that's up to Kevin if he wants to announce that. But uh, <laughs> the whole town is supporting them, and they're they're investigating places that's never been investigated before. 
And there's a lot of places out there right now that people have never been into that I think owners of uh, houses and, or plantations or places like that would be willing to let a – let me rephrase that. Would be letting – to let a, an experienced telemarketing – or telemarketing, sorry, paranormal <laughs> – I had a telemarketer call me today. drove me crazy. But would experienced paranormal investigators come into their, you know, their houses and stuff and uh, investigate? And I think we can get a lot better evidence like that this, uh, than a place that's bombarded. Absolutely, there's a lot of them, and uh, and and Kevin, if you are listening and you're going to that town, and I haven't been there before, feel free to give me a ring and tag me along. I am in Ohio, <laughs> so I'd be glad to do it. <laughs> I don't think it's too far from you, even. I, like I said, I'm not going to name the town. And Kevin, if you're listening, you already know the call-in number because he's my co-host on my show. So, you know, <laughs> hey, call us up and tell us where it is. But uh, uh, yeah, he's he's got a good group of people down there. And you know what? To be honest with you, in the paranormal world, you do have some bad ones, but there's a lot of good friendships and a lot of you know a, a good bonding that happens with with oh, people in the are. paranormal world. Once it really get, surprises you. Once you get past the social media ridiculousness, is what I like to yeah, call it, it and you actually ridiculous. get into the community. There's a wonderful, wonderful bunch of community that's out there, and most of them are all out there because they believe in what they're doing. Even sometimes when you don't believe in what they're doing or they don't believe in what you're doing, you can still right. find a common ground to learn from each other. Um, and and it, it's 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 a blast. I love going to a lot of the conventions because you get past all this social media crap and you actually meet real people and you can sit down and have excellent conversations with them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let me ask, what's up with all these paranormal people running each other down, too? Have you notice that on social media? It's like a little war of words with everybody. I don't understand that at all. It's a ridiculous war of words. A little story that uh, I have shared with the public, and it's actually going to be in one of my documentaries somewhere along the line, is when I first started out in the social media and documentary world, I told everybody right off the bat, hey, look, I'm, I'm going out to do what I did on the radio show. I'm going to tell the stories of the people. So I'm going to I'm going to do a lot of video videoing behind the scenes with different teams. I'm probably not going to know much about the teams when I do it because I want an, an honest perspective of looking at these teams. And I'm going to basically dig into what the community is about. Let's tell the stories of the community, what you guys really do. Um, now, my background as you may or may not know, but most listeners know, is for the past at least 10 years, I've been confronting a lot of the realities of the paranormal. So I have no problem telling you what works, what doesn't work, what's real science, what's not real science, what's crap, and what's not crap. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, I think that some people in the community knew this, and a lot of times when you watch people in, in the paranormal, they just have a passion. They say they're going to do something. They never get very far because it's a very costly science, everybody. I'm not going to lie. I've spent thousands of dollars getting where I am today. <laughs> um, it's, it's not cheap, and hopefully the goal is somewhere along the line you can make some of that back in your own way by getting on radio and getting paid for it or by getting sponsors and getting paid for it or if you're really lucky, getting on TV and getting paid for it. But um, – when I was doing my documentaries, I wasn't doing that to get on TV. I wanted to put something educational that we could throw out to the conventions, maybe put in a film festival or two, and people could see the reality of the paranormal. Those conventions, those good people, those nice people I've had a privilege to meet. I got tore apart. <laughs> um, so who and, tore you apart? Who, who was it? Uh, well, I won't mention names, but if they're listening, and odds are they are because I have my own little hate group. Believe it or not, uh, 
Dean, I, I'm one of the only people because of my years in radio that can honestly tell you I have a website set aside that has roughly about two to 3,000 haters on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they would probably really hate me down the road because my, my, uh, my opinion, I guess, on some of this stuff that's happening in the paranormal world is not, a, it's not very high. But, uh, and I think that right now the paranormal – I think we're stalled out a little bit. You, you could give me your opinion on this too, but I think we're stalled out. We're, we're still – all of us are doing the same thing, mm-hmm. and everybody's using the same equipment, and we're all in like in a stalemate situation because there's a lot more – and you'll probably be able to, to talk on this more than me, but there's a lot more equipment out there that would be better – use than the stuff we're using now as far as proving that there's something out there paranormal because uh, right now uh, you know if we were in a war we're losing the war there, there's a lot of people that look at our, our our paranormal world and say we're a bunch of crazy idiots and i think there's things out there that we could use that would actually change their opinion if we would just stop and stop doing the old technique and try something new and something more high tech now i'm gonna let you give your opinion on that no i perfectly agree see um, in the book that's coming out, I have a full paranormal history from the rise to the fall that's in a section of three or four books actually that are coming out. I was going to put it in one, but trust me, guys, you don't want to read 100,000 pages. <laughs> um, it, it, we stopped at one point in trying to figure out what a ghost is and just started calling it a ghost. And then we started using a lot of the equipment that we saw on TV adapting that equipment to styles and removing a lot of the reality of science the way it was early on. Um, so we've been at a halt ever since then. We, we, we just go out and assume it's a ghost, and that's and, it. Yeah, and I'm going <laughs> to say this about this too. That you know what, folks, um, we, right now in the paranormal world, I don't care what anybody says, we have no clue what we're dealing with. We think we do, but we really don't. I think that we've all got this mentality that we're dealing with you know, we're dealing with spirits or we're dealing with angels and all this. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but, you know, on a scientific level, if you think of it, you know, as logical. And I think, you know, when I say this, everybody will agree with me. But a thousand years from now, they're going to look back at us and they're going to think we were like uh, the people we look at in a thousand years in our past. How how they were leeching people or drilling holes in their head to relieve headache pressure <laughs> or, you know, it's just – and I, you know, I hate to say it. I love science. I really do. But the science is in a box. It really is. It, it's hard to get a scientist or someone with a PhD to go out, think outside of that box. And I think right now we've got to start thinking outside of the box a little bit more because, as I said, we don't know what we're dealing with. We really don't. How, how do we well, not more, know that? It's more linking the realities of science to define it. If you go to a scientist and you try to explain a ghost, a scientist will probably tell you a ghost does not exist. Correct. But that doesn't mean that they don't believe the activity is in existence. Right. They just don't believe that it's plausibly somebody intelligent that passed on that's still here um, communicating with you. Now, what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of different ways to define that. There are different alternate realities that are plausibilities in quantum physics. There are psychological um, definitions that can – there's a lot of different science that can apply to it that you have to rule out each individual figure. And that's how they're looking at it is the data collected has to support or not support situations. If you can find enough data that supports something that all the logical situations disappear on, then you've got an open puzzle. Let's find out what's next. 
Right. And <laughs> I agree with you because that's what's happening. It's like if, and I don't know if these colors are right now, but let's just say that somebody comes up and they bring two things together and every time it turns purple and we're saying, look at this green thing, you know, that's what I think paranormal world is doing right now is we keep bringing stuff to the table, the same stuff that's been disproven year after year, after year, after year. And even if we catch something by now, it's like, you know, some, what's that story about the, the girl, little boy called wolf all the time until a wolf finally showed <laughs> up and ate him. It's the same thing. We keep crying wolf and we keep throwing the same thing to these PhD people that we, we need them too, folks. We do because, you know, skeptics, are the best people in the world to prove that you're right. Because if you can make a skeptic that absolutely doesn't believe what you believe in, believe in what you believe in, then you've captured not one, but you've captured a hundred skeptics because they're going to tell somebody who's going to tell somebody who's going to word of mouth, word of mouth. But if you keep feeding them the same stuff, my God, they're never going to come around to us. We got to do something different. I think a part of it became the fact that, Scientific equipment is expensive, so a lot of these people want the cheap routes rather than dive in. Now, that's one thing I I, um, I respect about Justin Brown's team, Interface Death, is they understand that science is expensive, but they also understand that you can take the time to do small science experiments just like you used to do when you were a child and put it together and apply it to the paranormal and possibly yeah. find solution. Um, and that I get a lot of strange looks when I'm out on investigations. I do infrared and light testing. I'll do spectrum light testing. I've been known to take weather equipment that is a little bit more advanced than other people. Uh, for instance, meter rods that you can dive into the ground and into the water. If somebody tells me we're near a dam or a building and the water causes the elemental effects that causes this, I want to know that's the case. So I'm going to bring something to test the water, to test the ground, to test the – and I'm going to connect that all to something in a computer because I want to look at all that data and all those readings. And did they all spike at the exact same time somebody saw something? <laughs> well, you know what? That's exactly – you're exactly right when you're saying that because a lot of people when they – like I said, they're being, tra- being trained by reality TV. But – Folks, you're able to do experiments. I mean, you, there, the, there is no set technique to ghost hunting or ghost investigating or, or paranormal investigating. There is no set technique because we don't know enough right now as far as investigators to set a technique. And I know well, that may sound, you know, people will say, well, there's been people out there doing it for years. Well, they have, but they haven't been trained properly, I guess, and they, they've been <laughs> You know, and I it's guess okay, I'm not trying to insult. It's okay to say it. It's okay to say it. Yeah, well, they, have, okay, they we, just haven't been doing it right. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I don't think there's a way to do it right, I guess is what I'm saying yet, because nobody's developed the right way to do it mm-hmm. right, because we, we, don't have a, we don't have a system where we have – like we should probably somewhere down the road, and maybe you can start it or whatever, but we really need an organization that – looks at paranormal investigation based on experimentation and research instead of just people going out there getting EVPs and sending somebody and saying, look what I found out. That's what we lack. We lack organization in the paranormal world right now to be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish to prove what we're proving. And what we need is we need a technique that everybody adheres to that it based on scientific experiment and science. And if we did that, I think, and everybody adhered to that and everybody did it at the same time, I think we'd have a lot more uh, we'd have a lot more proof to show people that there is something out there because I've experienced that. I've seen people scratched. I've seen handprints show up, and I, you have too. I know you have. There's oh, yeah. something there. We don't know. But until we get organized, folks, it's not going to happen. It's going to be we're not going to get the credit that we need to to prove anything to anybody except what we're doing right now. It's got well, to be done. 
you know, that's the irony early on, which most people don't take the time to look into. And I've added a lot of these studies to the book. So it's more of an educational series of books than it is something that the average person will read over and over and over again. It's more of a reference guide, I like to say. Early on, before parapsychology dropped in 1983, we had a big gap. And then roughly about 1999 to 2001, TV took over. Um, from 19... 19- 49 to roughly about 1981 there was structure to all of this you had a few people running around that claimed themselves demonologists and all this other stuff but you had more people diving in that were actual physically college professors and research scientists and camera guys and so forth in that mix that were trying to collect physical data to prove or disprove a situation and that just kind of all disappeared (laughs) Um, it would be uh, nice if it came back. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? Maybe down the road, I've got a couple PhD people that are working with me right now. Like I said, we're going to actually go out and use their equipment one day to try to prove or disprove places is haunted, and we're going to hopefully have it on the radio when we do it. But uh, you know, maybe we'll come up with something that uh, we start a club or something where everybody does the same experiment, so we can start figuring stuff out. But uh, and anyway, I was going to say something about what you just said too. Is I think one of the declines of the paranormal world is when when TV hit number one. I don't think that was actually a decline. I think it it actually started showing other people. It, it brought more people into the paranormal world, but it didn't bring them in the correct way. I don't think uh, we'd be where we are today without reality TV. So I don't want everybody to think that I'm downing reality TV. I'm just downing it that people are using it to base their investigations on because they're ratings they're not investigations it's a big difference when you're in an entertainment world if you don't have ratings like i said you don't stay open and you don't eat mm-hmm. but uh you know and there's a lot of people out there now that's gotten into the pair and i'm going to use this uh, we just had this on the show the other day psychics there is true psychics out there folks there really is i've met them but there's a lot of psychics out there that are not true And when you mix the in you, what's the old saying you get one bad apple it ruins the whole barrel mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's what happens is you get somebody in there that's faking or saying they're this and they're that, and it discredits everything. So that's why I say we've got to have some kind of system that gives us back credibility because there's a lot of shysters out there in the paranormal world. There really is. Um, yeah, there's. I'm sorry. I almost lost my voice on you there for a minute. There's a lot of – well, I mean, that dates back for hundreds of years. It's just oh, yeah. the, the media kind they, of brought it a little bit heavier out there. Um, and the the plus about TV picking up these shows is it did open up a whole avenue where people felt like they could speak. Um, but the negative about it is it also brought in mentalism, which yeah. happens a lot more than people think. And it brought out the thought that everybody could be speaking special um and i don't mean that in a negative way just so all of you know but mediums are born with gifts and it takes them a long time to develop those gifts and they are rare gifts some people have them some people don't unfortunately when social media took hold of that you have also those people that want to fit in and they've never fit in before and you also have those people that are just in it for a buck or two (laughs) yeah yeah well, there's a lot of people out there, and uh, and we had the uh, well, Nikki Allen out of the UK, and a lot of people probably know who she is. She's he, she's like the Long Island medium of UK, I guess is the best way to put it. And she gave some advice on our show recently. She said if you go to a medium or a psychic and they ask you a question, you need to run away. 
I said, well, I don't understand that. She said, because the way they do this is they'll ask a question like, do you have a man in your life that passed away? Well, of course you've had a man in your life that passed away, but it gives them validity. The real psychic and medium will say, did you have a man named George that passed away or, or something like that? And that's, I, you know, it's become a technique for a lot of psychics and mediums out there. There is a technique that uh, of manipulating people to believe you have abilities when you don't. And, well, yeah, uh, it's mentalism. I took uh, – Two years, actually, in Las Vegas, one of the most famous psychic mediums that had his own television show, just so everybody knows, took the same mentalist class in the same place that I took it. In fact, his face is plastered there with a signature because he did, But that's, and he's still a great guy, so I'm not going to mention his name. But mentalist techniques are designed to do that. You listen to the voices over a phone and the changes in the voices, the observations of a person's reactions. You use common colors, common names, and common situations that are in repetitive motion. And then eventually you'll get the reactions that you need. You feed off of those reactions. You can develop more as it goes, and the person ends up telling you their story without them even knowing it. Yeah, they think <laughs> that the other person's doing it, and they're telling her, "You're right. You're right. I've seen it happen a thousand times." That's that's the that's the con game in the paranormal world, right there. Yep. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't. When when you hear mentalists, you think simple techniques a lot of times, simple tricks, street magic, things along those lines. But the most professional mentalist actually learns how to manipulate a situation. Um, I learned this for a different reason. I was in marketing for many many years, listeners, and I I did a book. You can probably find it if you look called Marketing Mentalism, the way to speak to a person on the phone. I trained telemarketing agencies for about nine years, and I did some major telemarketing agencies how to guide the customer and it was all based off of mentalism techniques <laughs> well it's worked for generations and years so i mean it's just a simple little process like i mean it's a simple process of using something that's been there forever to manipulate people it's just a, you know like i was saying it's important that these people get weeded out and there's ways to do it if we just had an organization or something that would develop itself uh, and for anybody out there go ahead and start it man i'll back you i'll bring you on the show whatever <laughs> let you talk about it but uh there's got to be some kind of conformity to how we do our investigations designed to prove uh, there is life after death or whatever it is. Where I, I don't think – you know, when you go out to do an investigation, what's your goal? I don't think many people have goals. They're just going out there to have fun and, and you know, take some EVPs or something. But you've got to have a goal in mind because it's a lot more to it than just looking for ghosts. You there's There's things that can be proven. You know how happy somebody would be? If somebody could prove there is life after death, especially somebody's been in a car accident or something like that, knowing that their their loved one or their friend or whoever it is, their life didn't end there, it 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 went on to somewhere else. And that'd be great if we could prove that. But the techniques we're using right now and the path we're using right now, that's never going to happen. Well, it, it might happen, but nobody's going to believe us. Let's change <laughs> that. They're not going to believe us. Well, that's generally what I do when I go out there. I go out there. I don't go out there to hunt a ghost, just so listeners know. I think it's fascinating to be at the locations, but I go out there to prove or disprove a situation. So if I hear, once I get there, I very rarely know much about the situation, but if I hear there are claims that something is going on during the situation, then all of my equipment is designed to cover that situation at that point. I concentrate on that. If I can prove or disprove that situation, that's one part eliminated. I know I'll have to come back for the rest. <laughs> but now I'm going to have to ask you, you've done a lot of stuff like that. Do you, do you think you have proof uh, available that's 100% and can't be debunked? Uh, the last situation I ran into in Octagon Hall 
cannot be debunked, but I am going to go back there here in February to help film with another crew, and I intend to set up some experiments there because I never like to say yes or no until I've been to places a dozen times. I've been to OSR almost – gosh, this will be my 21st time this year coming up, and I have yet enough proof there to say yes 100%. So I have, do I have something I believe is 100% evidence? Yes. Will I present it to the community yet? No, not until I can sit there with a dozen other pieces of equipment and repeat the process. <laughs> right. I understand. I totally understand. Because, you know, it's hard. It's it's something that a lot of new t- newbies need to know, too. It's hard to uh, to present evidence and have it taken seriously. Because, you know, just because you've caught something does not mean you've caught something legitimate. And I think it, it's based on your opinion of it, I guess. And a lot of people... Uh, their opinion is going to be different than yours. So don't get discouraged out there if you find something that somebody debunks straight away because it happens to me. It happens to every investigator out there there is. It's going to get debunked. You just well, got to keep even, fighting for it. Even then, if you can find something that is 100%, I have no idea what it is, your best bet is to hand it off to somebody else in a field that's vastly smarter than yours to see if they can explain it. Yeah. Um, and then I use that a lot. I'll hand it off to Ohio State University. I'll call somebody that specializes in a particular field and say, hey, look, I'm going to throw this all over to you. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. and, and the best thing to do in that situation is find somebody that does not believe in the paranormal. Because, like I said, if they look yep. at it and they say, I can't explain it, it gives you so much more validity that the evidence is, is true than, it, than to give it to somebody that's no matter what they see is paranormal. Yep. And I got to tell you this story. It's funny as heck. When we were in uh, – Iowa, I took a picture of a, a Pepsi glass, but I did it – well, it was a glass with Pepsi inside of it. And I took a, a – I zoomed in on the Pepsi, and I, I just kind of shot it and said, hey, look this is, look at this paranormal picture I took in Iowa. And uh, I had people agreeing with me. Oh, that's great. You captured, captured something great. But the trouble was all these people were people that were uh, in the paranormal field, and no matter what you sent to them, it looked like you know they're going to say, oh, it's paranormal. And I was trying to prove a point. I took a picture of a Pepsi glass, and it wasn't paranormal. It was Pepsi. But, you know, we've got to stop looking at all the evidence that anybody presents us in the paranormal world and trying to find, you know, oh, yeah, that's paranormal. That's great. (laughs) We've got to really open our eyes to this. Send that stuff to skeptics and let the skeptics tell you it's paranormal. Then you've got something because paranormal people are more supportive and when you try to make evidence, I think you'll agree with this. When you're trying to present evidence, you need somebody that's not supportive of your cause. They can look at it and go, oh, yeah, you yep. got something. I can't explain it. That's more powerful yep. than anything. Yeah, it's 100% more powerful. If they can come back and say there's no logical reason that should be there, then you've got support that you're on to something. Now you start the new testing. You go back to the location. You know there's no logical reason for that. Let's bring more equipment in. Let's find out what it is. <laughs> yep. And that, that you do that and you get something, I'm telling you, you'll you'll be you'll have pe- paranormal people calling you asking you to get on a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you've been listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality so that everybody knows um, on BBS Radio. BBS Radio is one of the largest digital radio stations here in the United States of America. They had a little bit of a fall, but they are getting back up. They're on iHeart and many other locations. So I do encourage you, if you're going to go with the best, go with BBS. A little bit of uh, updates. We will be at Bryan, Ohio with, that's right, our new printing company. So make sure that you look up LPOD, Location Print on Demand. If you're a team out there, by the way, we're going to be all around the United States of America. If you don't have team shirts yet, we'll print them up at the location to your specific design while you're there, and you'll have it in an hour. 
Um, you've been listening to Dean Knight. Dean Knight is actually a radio host on BBS as well on Station One, the Kentucky Ghost Hunters. It's been a wonderful conversation so far, Dean. Do you have any information you want to tell the listeners on where to find you outside of the radio station, obviously? <laughs> well, you know, every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Central Time, of course, you can check us out on BBS Radio. We love being there. Like I said, we were at the studios before, and it's just more we, – we get to a wider variety of audience. It's great being on there. We're going to be talking about Octagon House this Tuesday, so join us for that. Uh, KentuckyGhostHunter.com is our website, and you can get a hold of us anytime you want to through that. So, you know, we're here to help. If I can't do it. We've got people all over the United States and uh, Canada, Australia, U.K., that'll help out so when you're listening to us if you need some help just we're only an internet message away other local news just so everybody's aware here in ohio dr brian parsons will be bringing out his newest book here in the next two or three months make sure you look him up brian's a wonderful guy he's got some intelligent information and i will have the great privilege of being on dean's show sometime in the future we got to work out the details there but keep that in mind and dean you guys are always welcome to come back Hey, anytime. And Kevin's he's looking forward to coming back too. He talks more than I do, they say. So you can bring him <laughs> back anytime. I'll love to have him on. Well, that's the show tonight. I'm going to end it the way I end it every single week, ladies and gentlemen, and that is in the paranormal, truth should always be that reality. You've had a chance tonight to listen to two investigators, both well-experienced in the areas, and telling you the reality of the paranormal. That reality should stick with you as you're growing. Whether you're just an avid viewer or whether you're actually an investigator yourself, take the time to learn, ask questions, and build as you go. That's our show. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good weekend. 